Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this podcast on iTunes, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notetoscene at gmail.com. We have so much to talk about this week. Big news from Knuckle Puck, Pierce the Veil, and State Champs. But first, we're going to talk about All Time Low, Sleeping with Sirens, Paramore, some of the biggest scene bands, and how they all failed so hard in 2017. All right, let's go. Did you have a chance to uh, do this Spotify time capsule thing that went around the internet this week? So I did, but I don't usually use Spotify. I use Apple Music. Mm -hmm. That's what I pay for. But I have a Note to Scene account for our episode Spotify playlists, which Mm -hmm. listeners, if you're down with that, it's on Spotify. Just search it. You'll find it. Subscribe to it. Um, And it actually generated... Uh, a playlist for the songs that I've been listening to on Spotify since I made that account. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, the very first song on it's it good. is American Idiot by Green Day, which it's is good. the first so album I ever for bought. The, for, the, for the listeners who don't know what it is, is Spotify Time Capsule is this playlist that Spotify will do for you where they automatically, somehow magically, algorithmically generate your favorite songs from high school. Like, they just knew. Like with me, they just like just <laughs> dead on. And like I don't even listen to Spot. Like, you know, most of if you're like me, and I assume a lot of you are in this respect, like most of your old music from high school is like on your iTunes or your computer. Like Spotify is a relatively new thing that you know a lot of us didn't have in high school. So the fact that Spotify was is able to generate such an interesting playlist of all of your high school favorites i thought it was really fun and it really like got movement in the community especially in the music scene it was going around everyone was like tripping out about it absolutely you saw screenshots everywhere of people oh yeah showing what the bots made and i was that's the one thing i really don't like about apple music is that you don't get you know the end of the year stats Mm -hmm. i loved that about spotify when i was a spotify user and just like this open world kind of for spotify and on apple music everything feels really closed off and cold but apple music just has more options for like deep cuts and stuff so that's ultimately why i made i mean they got that itunes but what what really what apple needs to do is just buy spotify (laughs) i mean like you think about this is obviously the future of music spotify is better it's the better streaming platform it's the more popular one mm-hmm. apple spotify is valued at like i think 16 billion apple has 200 billion in cash right now like right. they could buy spotify just own be the future of streaming just own spotify you know keep it as your own product but yeah so some interesting ones that made my list my number one was constantine by something corporate that's the first one so that <laughs> i mean that says a lot like i'm the biggest something corporate fan um AFI is the leaving song part two got on there somehow like what the fuck um Atreyu's bleeding mascara yes yes classic right? classic um, under oaths reinventing your exit oh man it doesn't right? get better like, than that 
I, I was just just blown away by how dead on this was. Oh, and this 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 won't shock you, Tyler Sharp, but the starting line, the best of me, was on there. <laughs> um, blue and yellow by the U's, you know, an old school fucking used favorite. Right. Man, I couldn't. It got it got straylight run existentialism. Straylight. That's run. a deep. How like smart does it have to be to get straylight run? You know, what I, I mean, that's think... not like a big band. You know what I mean? That was like a special small thing. And I don't think anyone has listened to existentialism on prom night since 2005. <laughs> set, set me, set me. Shouts to me. Except Matt. Shouts to me. Um, <laughs> it got brand new Tommy Gun. Coheed the suffering. Dude. Dude. <laughs> it's hilarious because we've never, like you and I have never had a conversation about Coheed, but I could totally see you listening to them in high school. Oh, dude. That song was just a, a summer a summer jam dude. in high school. Shout dude. out to Favor House Atlantic, man. Absolutely. Still man. a banger. That man, that band, that band had good, some had some great songs. Good summer music. So totally. um also sales and voices. Made of the course, list. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, let me see here. Jimmy World Work, which makes sense because I really do love that song and I am sort of like a futures truther when it comes to Jimmy World. Man. Some Taking Back Sunday made it. Uh, some Lincoln Park made it. Little Random, but PD Pablo's Freak a Leak made it. <laughs> and I have no explanation for that, but that beat does go hard as fuck. <laughs> That's hilarious. The for the note to scene time capsule, the first like first. Which we should point out is the Tyler Sharp time capsule because you're the only one who uses that. Exactly. So the only thing I've been listening to on here is Under Oath and SoundCloud rap, and somehow they got (laughs) "I Miss You" by Blink One Eighty Two, "Last Resort" by Papa Roach, and "Mr. Brightside" by The Killers all in the top five. (laughs) Man, I love The Killers. I've just been having like. A killer's moment again, just you, revisiting all you, the great music of the past. You're not alone. I mean, that <sighs> album, who expected them to sell that many first week? I think they did 111,000. On nostalgia alone, on right. just the hope that, you know, well, you know that one song, um, Run for Cover? You keep it saying. Was, I found out it, it was a, it's a 10 year old uh, demo. Really? No wonder it sounds good and I like it. It's fucking from that era. You know what I mean? That's and that's the only good song on the album, in my opinion. You know, the rest of it is like the the man, you know? No. Right. Yeah, not at all. That's interesting because you could totally hear it in that song. Yeah. But it's kind of like a diet Mr. Brightside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally. So, yeah, I thought the Spotify thing was pretty fun. Like a fun experience. Just watching like a streaming platform create like social movement like that. It's fun. Definitely. It's a fun new way we're experiencing music, you know, that we didn't get to used to. For sure. We didn't used to get to. It's a good way to capitalize uh, on nostalgia for them. Absolutely. And we all know nostalgia is like the biggest drug ever. So um, <laughs> quickly, we got to give shouts and rest in peace to the great Tom Petty, who passed away this week. Man, this was a, this was a bummer. I don't think kinda anyone came, saw this coming. Kind of came out of nowhere, right? Tom Petty, man, like, it's funny because... I had been at the bar with a friend uh, about a week before he died and um, they were playing like all 90s music and we were like doing a guess the song game at the bar and I was mm-hmm. crushing it because it was all this 90s <laughs> shit like live and collective soul and all this bullshit that no one needs to know. Right. But um, I had heard growing up and um, this one song came on that we both didn't know 
And I asked the owner of the bar, I was like, hey, man, do you know what this is? And he looked at me and he's like, this fucking Tom Petty, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? like, like, like in Tom Petty's from, you know, from my area, so where I live now. So he was like, you know, it was like I was like a heretic for not knowing, you know, and I was like, oh, sorry, man. You know, like I didn't Straight know. Straight you know? up offended at your lack of like, Tom Petty knowledge. That's the thing about Petty, though, is like, it's just like everybody kind of just like loved and respected him. You know, like you didn't, nobody hated Tom Petty. You know, you might not have loved him, but like who hates Tom Petty? Nobody, man. He was an iconoclast. He was arguably the last true rock star. Dude just wrote hits and hits and hits. And uh, it was it was definitely a blind side to see him go. I know my mom kind of kind of kind of took her by surprise. So shout out to all the Tom Petty fans out there. Kind of like music that we just like grew around, grew up around, you know, and it was just always playing and you never really maybe necessarily realized it but um you should definitely go you know do some uh tom petty digging back there's some good songs in there you should go listen to like if you haven't at least listened to free fallen yet like you should probably cancel yourself you know what i mean like (laughs) at least at least do that straight Um, up the aaron gillespie's free fallen cover made me go back when that came out on like punk goes classic in like what 2010 made me go back and look up tom petty songs I forgot that that even happened, dude. Yep. So after the after the Tom Petty news set in, I went to Aaron's socials and see what he had to say about it. So good scene connection there. I like it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not gonna try to like make this whole case like you know if the scene wouldn't exist without Tom Petty or anything, but like there are connections. Like I mean, Dave Grohl was like heavily inspired by Tom Petty growing up, and like. What happens with Nirvana? You know, if Dave Grohl doesn't hear Tom Petty, and uh, a lot of people don't know it, but Dave Grohl almost joined Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers after Kurt died. You know, I did so not that know that. Yeah, so if that happens, we don't get the Foo Fighters, and if we don't get the Foo Fighters, yo, low key secret of the scene: all these musicians just want to be Dave Grohl. <laughs> You know what I mean? Dave Grohl's a big idol for a lot of scene musicians. So, you know, things change without Tom Petty in our world, for sure. And uh, Mark Maron actually, like, has a really good uh, comedy special he just put out on Netflix. You should check it out. It's hilarious. But it's kind of poignant because it's before Tom Petty died, but he makes this sort of joke. His bit is like that, you know, America is so divided. Trump Republicans versus liberals. And the one thing everyone agreed on is Petty. You know, it's like... uh, you can have someone like fuck Trump and then someone like fuck Obama, but like Petty, right, man? Yeah, but Petty. Petty. Cool. Like everybody agrees on Petty. You know? It was the you know? one common ground. The one common ground we had. Yeah. When when yeah. when I won't back down comes on, everyone's yeah. jamming. Everyone's like, yeah, you know, fuck fuck you, but right. Petty. All right, we can agree on Petty. <laughs> Petty's cool. Um, That's a good okay. point. Anything else you gotta say about Petty? T-sharp? I don't think so. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, sir. Okay, let's move into our main story of this week which is uh all the big scene bands have failed in 2017 um <laughs> so far 2017 has been a bloodbath a uh, scorching and we're kind of just gonna like do the autopsy right now i guess because it, i mean i know it's october and maybe it's a little early but it, it it's not like we've just seen we've seen towers fall you know we've just seen bands that for no reason just failed in 2017 bands that should have had really big years and uh a lot of it was the biggest of the big scene bands and we're just gonna kind of look at that i figure we should kind of go through like band by band tyler how's that sound yeah sounds good it was just basically all the most anticipated albums from the scene (laughs) kind of flopped this year and saw a significant decrease in sales streams and general hype around them so 
do and you know we we straight up we didn't have a main story this week because the scene's just kind of on a bit of a low end so it's you know we're just taking this time to look back and see what happened this year and why it all went wrong basically yeah like sort of makes sense of why 2017 was so bad i mean we can start with all-time low because that's that's the first and i think the most like one of the most obvious examples um so we were really stoked you know when they signed a field by ramen and um i was really stoked when dirty laundry came out you weren't but (laughs) um (laughs) the album came out you know and it was just trash and it only sold um what do we do, like 30,000 first week? It did 30,000 traditional, 33,000 streaming. So 90% coming, of that total was traditional sales. And that's coming down from... 75,000 traditional. Which Future and, Hearts did. Yeah. So massive, just they just in sales, it's as if they just didn't matter anymore. And 60, the album was, It was a 60% drop. And the album was really bad. And people don't like it. Like, I don't see all-time low fans riding for this album. You know what I mean? It kind of just, like, blurred together. There's no hype around any of these songs. And I did a little digging, uh, research, and making my notes for this episode. I found that Alex was the only member of the band given any writing credits on <laughs> this new album. There were <laughs> 10 additional writers uh, throughout <laughs> all the songs on the album. And there were eight additional musicians that played on the album. There was just, I, I think it came down to the fact that All Time Low were given this second shot at breaking out, which, as we've said on the show before, you talk to those dudes behind behind closed doors, all they want is to be the biggest pop stars in the world. And that's we're talking about want. Dirty Work here. Like, Dirty Work was their first shot to break out, and man, did they fucking blow it. Absolutely. And, and they come back this year, they signed a Fuel by Ramen, they get the second chance that they really didn't even deserve. And I think all of these producers, their entire team behind them, all these writers, all the cooks in the kitchen came in with basically making All Time Low a clean slate. And everyone had a different view of how they wanted the album to come out. And when you add that many people into a formula, there's no general vision for everything that's going on. Last Young Renegades is what we get. And these songs are all over the place. And none of them are really that you know, none of them are there. Yeah. There's nothing no, memorable there's nothing, about this album. Nothing sticks out. And I, I felt too much 1975. Like, I just felt like they saw what that band were doing. Like, dark pop rock. It was definitely and a they part were, of like, it, for sure. Gonna, they were like kind of like, we want to try this too. But they half-assed it, and they didn't go far enough with it. So the next band we talk about, you know, and probably the first band we should have talked about because their album just came out is Sleeping with Sirens. And this is the most shocking band because their album Gossip just came out and uh, it only sold uh, 12,000 copies first week. And not only that, it was a really, 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 really bad album. And this is from one of the bands that, you know, in 2012 were probably the biggest band in the scene. You know, they sold 60,000 copies first week with a feel and they were playing huge venues and Kellen was the biggest celebrity in the scene. And now they're down to selling like, you know, what bless the fucking fall sell, you know, (laughs) like they're down to like that level of a band and like straight up the main outsold them this year. That's so wild when you think about it, you know, how 
big sleeping were, you know, and how, you know, sort of medium sized the main are now. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, this is the biggest flop. That's tough. There's another band on here I think we could say is a bigger flop. mm -hmm. But this is definitely like in the conversation for biggest flop of the year from the scene. I mean, for sure. The last album, uh, Madness, did, I think, about 35,000 first week. Yep. Right on the nose. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, 65% drop. It's fucking sad. I mean, almost they almost sold a third of what Madness did. And Madness was already a drop from Feel. So it was almost half of what Feel did. So it. It's they're just when you're at that level when you're if you can't even move twenty thousand copies you're not a big band anymore you know it it's pathetic and it but this one again like all time low th- this album's worse than the all time low album I think this <laughs> is one of the worst things to ever come out of twenty seventeen man yeah collectively like, it's just the biggest pile of shit. I got to agree with you. And like, I at least can have fun with this one in a way of just, I enjoy Kellen's douchiness on it. And I, <laughs> I enjoy the, the spectacle and the laughter of it. Like the all time low album, it doesn't even give me anything to laugh at. You know what I mean? It's just boring, mellow, straight through another band. And this, this is, this was the most heartbreaking, I think, uh, for me. And you, I think for you too, but correct me if I'm wrong, Paramore. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So what happened? I mean, what happened with Paramore, Tyler? Because I- I'm still, my head's still spinning. <laughs> the change was just too questionable. There's a difference between bands changing their sound and mm-hmm. making it work. And the best example, the best scene example I can give to anyone is Bring Me the Horizon. What they mm-hmm. did with Drown and what they did with That's the Spirit, the, when they released that music... It was the most undeniable thing, and it forced people to talk about it because it was so good. There, listeners, there's a reason you will never forget that first day when Drown the music video dropped and you listened to it. You will never forget that day, just like you'll never forget the Falling Universe Alone video day. Like There are just certain (laughs) days you will never forget, and that is one of them because of how well they executed Tyler's point. Like, that song is undeniable. The songs on the new Paramore album are too questionable. Sure, it was a big deal when, when the first single dropped, but it, 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 was, it wasn't straight up, this song is the best song of the year. There, there, it's just not in that conversation. I know you like it, but I think you could agree with that as well. Like, it's not the best song of the year. It's not, it's not of the caliber of what Drown was. Like, musically and sonically, it's just... Mm-hmm. It, it's not on the same level. And because of that, that kind of set the tone for the whole album. And the whole rest of the album is such a shift for Paramore that, mm-hmm. and it's not even the fact that they're pop songs and they're they're different. It's just the fact that they're not as well written as what was on self-titled, as we saw with sales, you know, like they did 56,000 traditional and yeah, they did 67,000 with streaming, but still that's like a 40% drop from self-titled, mm-hmm. which did 106,000. And most of that streaming comes from Hard Times, which did really well streaming and is most people would agree is like the best song on the album. And that song happened to have a lot of success with streaming. And I think that's the only reason they had a good streaming bump. But yeah, you're to the point, like not only sonically and stylistically, like it's not, this isn't just a subjective thing that Paramore failed. It's like a commercial fact thing. Like, exactly. you know, they only sold 50, thought whatever thousand copies first week. The last album did, you know, a hundred, I think. Right. Like one, 106. 
Yeah, and, you know, they arguably had some of the biggest singles of their career. They should have came back bigger. This should have been a bigger album for Paramore. They should have sold more than self-titled because you're coming off of the hype of Ain't It Fun. You're coming off of the hype of Still Into You. You're coming off of the biggest, a Grammy win, the biggest years of that band's career. And they come back and become a pitchfork core alt radio band who sells 50,000 first week. And now they're playing fucking theaters again. And it's terrible to see. And I hate it. Because it's, it's one of my favorite bands. It's so sad to see Paramore fall. And I, you and I didn't expect it at all. We were ready no. for more self-titled like bangers. And even just go poppier, you know? Like, Embrace Haley is just the pop star that she could be. But instead, mm-hmm. they wanted a good review from Ian Cohen or someone at Pitchfork. And we got this album. And I will say that, as we've talked about on the show, there are salvageable moments from this album, for yeah, sure. No, I mean, it's... It's a decent album, but, like, that's not good enough from Paramore. Exactly. Paramore make great albums, and this isn't a great album, you know? It's, uh, I think, what where did we come to? Like, a 6 out of 10? Right the around there. Somewhere around yeah, there. between a 5 six and a 6. 6 to 6 and a half, you know? And, yeah. and so, a big problem, too, they just didn't get a single going. Um, Hard Times, like, did really well streaming on YouTube and Spotify, but on the radio, it just didn't, it never happened, and... There, I will say, like to give them credit, they're they're pushing "Rose Colored Boy" now as the single. I think no, fake happy, um, fake happy, yeah. And that seems to be having a lot more success so far than "Hard Times" did. You think is, so? Yeah, I'm hearing it a lot more on it's, radio. It's at number thirty-seven on alt rock. I yeah, mean, it's getting spins. Um, I mean, it, it entered recently, and I mean, hard it, it times seems peaked to be at, moving. Peaked at thirteen, so they yeah, got hard to surpass thirteen. Yeah, I think it. Based on what I've heard, it will. So, I mean, it might not, but it's a possibility. And, you know, I just, like, I couldn't find Hard Times on the radio. At least I'm hearing Fake Happy on the radio. You know, it's at least a relief to be, I don't have to look for it, you know. It's just kind of in rotation right now. And interesting, because um, I just feel like Paramore is completely out of the conversation. Yeah, no, but that, that song, that's surprising. That song is having success at radio. So... We got to give them that cred, like, you know, maybe Paramore have played the late game before, you know, um, sure, self-titled sure. ultimately didn't have much success when it was released single wise. And it wasn't until the later half of that cycle, you know, when Still Into You took off that all of a sudden, whoa, we got a hit here. And then that album started moving units and it went gold, you know, so. Right. But I don't think Fake Happy is near the caliber of Ain't It Fun or Still Into You. I don't think so either, man. But, like, imagine dragons and shit are crushing it on rock oh, radio. Yeah, so oh, I don't know that. what fits there right now. <laughs> you know, it might be a good fit, you know, for all we know. We might just might not like the song. Um, other band uh, I think we should mention is Motionless and White. This is a hard band, you know. They signed a Roadrunner. They're coming off the most successful, one of the most successful albums of their career, uh, Reincarnate, which sold 30,000 first week over, I think, right? Over that? Uh, 31, yeah. 31, yeah. You, for a band like them, that's fucking huge. You know, they're on a major label. They're coming back. They got the image. And what what did uh, the new album do first Eight. week? 18,000. That's a Boom. 42% a, drop. Another fucking flop. And it feels to me like that album came out and nobody talked about it again. It's I completely mean, like, it forgotten. Is, it's, it, it, I don't even know if, if it ever was in the conversation. You know? Like, it, it it's gone. It didn't happen, man. It didn't. And, like, they really... I thought they had something with Loud. 
I wasn't the biggest yeah, fan like, of that song, but I thought it was a good formula for, you know, metal bros to play around in their trucks. Yeah, I, I thought a lot about it now because the rest of the album is so sort of mediocre core, like mediocre horror metal core. Like it just, right. the rest of the album, it just wasn't. But Loud was different, right? Right. And I could see how Loud wouldn't appeal to a motionless fan. But I thought like... It could appeal to your average bro, you know, exactly. just it's such a simple, you gotta be loud chorus. And then I thought about it more and I was like, you know what though? It's like a skate punk song, really. Like you should have like Derek Wibley singing that song from Sum 41. <laughs> so that should be a Sum 41 song when you think about it. And it really is just Chris's Manson vocals. They don't work on that type of song. You know, it's a skate punk song. His Manson vocals just don't fit there. And I think that's why that song didn't do what it was supposed to do for them at Rock Radio. Yeah, not at all. The album had just mediocre, motionless, and white moments, and Chris just rips off Manson the whole time. It just does There wasn't anything special about that album besides the the concept of loud. And obviously, it didn't work. It's it stuck around twenty nineteenth to twentieth when it was mm-hmm. on rock radio and then it just plummeted after a while yeah and, and as a listener of rock radio i don't think i ever actually heard it played once it's a shame man it's yeah. a shame because there you know we were kind of we were talking that band up when we were ranking our biggest yeah. scene bands they were inside the top 10 and it was they like, were huge motionless and white had potential to become maybe a top five band depending on what push roadrunner could give them but <laughs> This album is just forgotten at this point. Shouts to uh, Falling in Reverse for not flopping. That was like the big <laughs> surprise. You know what I mean? Like we were all like, we were ready for, we were ready for them to be done, you know? And Absolutely. Uh, they weren't, you know, I think they did 19,000 first week, which was really good for them considering all things. And uh, we actually kind of liked the album. Like we thought it was a decent album. I think it was uh, better than All Time Low's album, better than Sleeping's album, better than Paramore's album. Better than Motionless's album. Dude, straight up, I think Hanging On is inside my top favorites, top five favorite songs of the year. And I revisited Coming Home like this week. Yeah. I think we were even a little harsh on it. You know, like I think (laughs) think think it's a like we we gave it an okay rating, but I think we were still even a little harsh on it. Like it's, it's, there are some bangers on there. And there's Epitaph is slowly, for whatever reason, pushing songs to radio and. And again, for whatever reason, superhero is is gaining on rock yeah, radio. Every yeah, week. somehow <laughs> the most like generic <laughs> song on the album, you know, is uh, is having radio success. Do you see that Ronnie is uh is uh gracing the cover of Rock Sound magazine? I was just about to bring that up. Why? It says, "quote the only interview," which would make sense. I don't think he's done a. He's not doing the AP cover. Let's let's face it, he can't get the AP cover anymore. It's I, too big for him at this point. I don't even know, man. Like what is going on with that? What is there's another quote on that rock sound cover that I can't remember what it says. What what else does it say? It's like he's back or something. Yeah. Back like what? You just put an album out. I, I think like, where uh, did you go? <laughs> or, yeah, right? You've been torn. You just put an album out, man. Like, is the old Ronnie back? Is that what we're like remember what? on on Coming Home you put out that one song that was just totally blasting the media? It was like one of the last tracks. Was it? Oh. It starts off like Hello Earthlings. Oh, no. Right here, right now is the chorus, you know? Was, was that, yeah, that might have been one of the bonus tracks, those those fashionably yeah, yeah. late era bonus tracks. Yeah, it sounds very fashionably late. It does. Yeah. Both of those bonus tracks were totally. Yeah. The, 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 the it, sec- was like he, it was like him just slaying the media. Like, what was the one deathcore band that 
Chelsea Grin, who slayed the media. Yeah, it was like his version of that. Slay the media. I think Chelsea Grin called me out directly in that song. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, Foo Fighters called you out directly once. Foo Fighters did call me out directly once. Anthony Green called me out. Um, I've been called. We've all. Yeah, man, we've all been there. Austin Carlisle, Ollie Sykes. I like. (laughs) <laughs> I remember. Yeah, dude. I remember. I had, dude, Diddy was mad at me one time. That was Diddy that was, was mad at dude, you. So, so we've been there, you know. We when you work been. in the industry, you just end up in places you don't think you're gonna end up in. You know, never in a million years. But I, um, I, mean, I don't know. It's it's crazy to think that falling in reverse can be yeah. considered a success this year, above all time low sleeping with sirens, motionless and white, paranormal. Weird, weird as fuck. But it happened somehow. Um, and I don't know what to make of it, but you know, it was nice to reflect on it and sure. what the, what a shit show 2017 has been. It's just everything flipped over. Hopefully 2018, like, cause think about it. We got releases coming up from like a day to remember, you know? And, um, so, yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to do to wrap this convo up. Like the scene is not in a good spot, but 2018 no, no. is going to be in a very defining year for the scene because we have releases from the biggest scene bands that haven't break out, haven't broken out yet coming a day to remember, bring me the horizon, but, you know, maybe pierce the veil. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it, it makes sense. Like it's been two years, yeah. but who knows? These releases are going to be very reflective yeah. overall date, of where the scene is at. A date, if a day to remember and bring me the horizon are going to be like big fucking signals for whether or not this scene's going to make it another year, bro. Because I'm not they're sure. The you know what I mean? yeah. They're the last two. Yeah, they're the last two that we don't have a, re- a current reflective number for. Yeah. I mean, pierce the veil, but. Pierce the Veil, Misadventures didn't do near as what it should have. It did like fifty five thousand, but like it's a whole, it's a whole other conversation. It is a whole know? other conversation, but we can um, fit that in with the flops of twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's, you know? it, it's it, yeah. I think didn't that come out in twenty sixteen? It did. Yeah. Yeah, that's just it's a that's a that's we're not going on that rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a whole episode. Misadventures is a whole episode. Um, all right, we got to move on though, Tyler, all and right. uh, hit our next story, which is Knuckle Puck. Knuckle Puck put out a new song called Want Me Around. It's the third single from Shapeshifter. What do you think of it, Tyler? This song literally (laughs) feels tired. It it feels like it's going to put everyone to sleep. And just (sighs) that melodic riff, like, eh, it's okay. It it, it could be good. I feel like if you put that in a different song, in the right song, it could fit well. The chorus feels so muddy, man. Like, what is going on with that mix? It feels like a puddle of oil and mud and just... It doesn't come out well. It literally, right now, we're recording Sunday night. It has 32,000 YouTube streams, 45,000 Spotify streams. Nobody's paying attention. This one fell super flat. I don't want to say it's over for Knucklepuck, but I think yeah. it's over for Knucklepuck. <laughs> this is, um, you know, they're just bad at music. They're not good at music, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, my thought, only thoughts on this song, it sounds like bad the main or like bad third eye blind. Like it was a little bit of a, you know, it sounds like they're kind of trying to do that thing, but again, they're just not good enough musicians to pull it off. Like it's less pop punky and more main e, more eighty one twenty core e for them. So I was surprised. In a weird way, I think it's the best single we've gotten from Shapeshifter. Wow! So far. Oh, well, there's a statement. But like, you know, we're talking like, oh. you know, it's the best <laughs> knife in my heart of the three. You know, like it's. Here we are on note to scene comparing piles of shit again. Yeah, that's what we're doing. I mean, <laughs> do you think the other two? I mean, it's a. 
I don't know, man. Do you think the other two were better than this one? They are all that three. last one was... I mean, I went on a biblical rant you can listen to that episode, but <laughs> that last go. one really pissed me off. Yeah. I, this I one mean, at least didn't... I mean, I didn't, like, catch on fire and go up into a tower and scream. Like, this one was just... I was like, wow, they're, like, copying the main and being bad at it, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not here to compare piles right. of shit. It's bad. Don't listen to it. What's your score? It. I'm at, like, a four and a half. Okay. I'm at a five and a half out of ten. Okay. Okay, let's move on to our next story, which is State Champs. Um, the band are in the studio with Mark Hoppus right now working on their third album. What are your thoughts on this, Tyler Sharp? Hopefully. State Champs going to save pop punk? Uh, no, but hopefully Mark can put them back on the right track. Like, you know, it, man, I really we did we did our uh, who's gonna say pop punk episode, and we didn't really. I don't think we talked about state champs enough. So state champs like, are a very interesting band right now because I I I dug down a state champs rabbit hole a few weeks ago, and this band has all these major connections. They toured with Five Seconds of Summer. They got a Halsey co-sign. They just featured on a Hoodie Allen song. And the last album did twelve thousand first week. Yeah, they just they have all that, of this outside momentum, like that, major. That, that, tw- okay, twelve thousand first week is good for them at that point in their career. I think it was good. Like real, like real friends. That, that was essentially their 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 debut. You know, I, I know it's not their debut album, but that was their like after they had been hyped up. That was their their big release. And I you know, like, like real they, friends did ten thousand on. Um, maybe this place is changing or whatever the fuck that album is called. You know, they they came out stronger than Real Friends. See, so you I know. think I regard the finer things as State Champs' best album, and All Around okay. the World's a huge pile of shit. I yeah. thought when they released All Ar- All Around the World, they should have been at the same like foot for foot pace as Neck Deep, and Neck Deep did like yeah. eighteen or nineteen thousand. So I just think Neck Deep had a head start on them. They were late. They were later than Neck Deep and Real Friends. I just, as far, I just at least as far as hype and conversation goes, they showed up late. Like when Real Friends were popping and Neck Deep were starting to pop, it was like, who's this band? State Champs. You know, they were just sort of coming out the woodwork. Man, I just at least in the, as far as the general scene conversation was going, they were small when Real Friends were just starting to pop. Dude, I think you're underestimating State Champs, man. Elevated was a big song. Like, that yeah. was a big... De- Every pop-punk kid talked about that song. I just remember they had a very small following compared to, like, Neck Deep and Real Friends back in the day. <sighs> I, I, I just feel like they should have been foot for foot they, with Neck Deep, and I feel like they fell short on All Around the World and Back, but they obviously still have... They still have major people backing them. Yeah, and they so, still have hype. I mean, dude, like, we got it. Like, they're they're bigger than Knuckle Puck. Yes. I think they're. I think at this point they're bigger than Real Friends for sure. You know. Oh, absolutely. They passed. Um, I mean, I think they were know, so bigger like, than Real Friends last album. These are these are bands that they were probably behind at one point, and now they're well ahead of. So they're in a good spot, and like having the OG Mark Hoppus, Blink One Eighty Two, guiding them, I think is a good thing. And I've liked recent songs from the band. I used to hate them, but like <laughs> I see potential. I, I genuinely think Derek has a really good voice. I think he has one of the best voices in pop punk right now. So, I would like. And we just had Neck Deep let us down with, uh, what the fuck was that album called? <laughs> I can't, the Peace and the Panic. The Peace and the Panic was a big letdown, you know? And um, but, so I would like to see this band succeed. I would like to see Derek's voice captured in a good way. And I hope Mark gives them some guidance. That's about all I have to say about it. Yeah, I, I hope they get it going. I hope Mark can put them in the right spot. But as you bring up Neck Deep, we're talking about all the failures of 2017. I think Neck Deep's album might be regarded as the biggest scene success of 2017. How do you feel about that? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, uh, thirty thousand copies first week. And, you know, I just it just sucks that it had to be a bad album. It sucks you know? that it had, like, like, it's like, one of those. The last album was so good that everyone went out and bought the bad album kind of situation. You know, and because they didn't know gonna... what all the bad yeah. album. They didn't know the bad album right. was going to be a bad album. They it, just I got mean, let it, on. You, can you blame them though? You know, you heard life's not out to get you, and you had blind trust in the band. You know. That's that's where you were after hearing such a great pop punk album. That's you know, what happens. You're gonna buy you whatever the fuck album. they serve you. You're gonna eat it. Absolutely. Um, and, but people learn. People learn. I'm sure. You know. I don't it's know. gonna we drop. Have, now. We, we have li- listeners. Don't email. We have listeners who defend this album, so it's tough. You know. <laughs> but um, I don't know if you. I don't know if you really like it or you really want to like it or what. But um, okay. Let's move on to our next story, which is uh, Pierce the Veil. So Pierce the Veil. And I don't know if you understand all this, Tyler, because I don't know that I do, but they did something. Mm-hmm. They put out on Spotify, it says it's an EP. Mm-hmm. It's Today I Saw the Whole World, the EP. Mm-hmm. And it, what it is, is it's just Today I Saw the Whole World, the song, and then a new acoustic version of the song. And that to me is the news here, is that like we're hearing a recorded acoustic version that we've never heard before, a new version of this song. Um, is this an actual EP, Tyler? Do you know? Or is this just some weird branding mix up? they are pushing it as an EP because I went back and I found the tweet for it that they sent out on Friday and they said, we released today. I saw the whole world EP. What a weird thing to do. I mean, like let's, I mean, maybe they're gearing up for this to be the next single, but like what you'd push it as a single, not an EP. What a weird, a two song EP. What? I I 100% agree with you, and I don't understand the bizarre angle that they're taking on it. It's like, I'm thinking, is this a weird contract fulfillment, shady music industry thing going on, maybe, potentially? I, it definitely crossed my mind. But let's get past the weirdness, and let's talk about this acoustic song, because I actually really like it, and I, I have an idea of maybe why. But I get classic Pierce the Veil vibes from this from the acoustic version of this song and may it get it got me thinking that maybe more misadventure songs could be much better if they stripped them back and just had them acoustically written then i started looking at this and did you see that artwork yes why do i love that cover so much uh it's it's kind of ripping off kanye's life of pablo as far as the text, the text goes. Okay, so. to me, it feels like it came straight out of MySpace 2006, and it yeah. feels like it should be the cover to like the best screamo album that has ever come out. <laughs> like that, that should have uh... been the new Tragics full-length album. <laughs> Shut the fuck! <laughs> Don't hey, all right, you just broke like you got us in trouble somehow there by bringing up the new Tragic. Uh, go go Google the new Tragic thing. listener, but whoever uh, made that, whoever made that cover two guns happened, blazing and a half crooked smile, baby. <laughs> I'm about that life, man. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I feel about uh, talking about that. Shout, yeah, shouts to Dallas though, man. Hope he heals. Mad shouts um, to Dallas. And okay, so yeah, I'm with you. I really love this song. Holy shit! Isn't um, it great? It's so much better as an acoustic song than the regular. Dare I say? I think you know. I enjoy circles in like a humming along kind of way. You know, like circles is okay. It's a decent enough single, but I think this is my favorite song off Misadventures now. Absolutely, um, yes. And I totally agree with you. It, it, it Done in this acoustic way, it has... I was getting, like, flair for a dramatic yes. sort of mood yes. in me. And I was like, I haven't felt this from Pierce in a while. This feels good. You know what I'm saying? Right? It got me excited like, about Pierce again. Yeah, it was like, you know, maybe this is what Pierce needs to do. Like, 
slow it down and go into more of these moody acoustic sort of like clapping drives like this song is you know just sort of fucking hover in the moment like this song kind of does that you know and that's kind of what a flair for the dramatic was it was sort of like a like hookah smoke floating in the room <laughs> you know what i mean like it just kind of floats and uh takes you on a journey and and that's what the acoustic version of the song did for me and i think uh Pierce got away from that on this adventures. They were really just like, let's be a rock band. And uh... dude, I am so excited that you like this because I was I, there was a part of me that was convinced I only liked this acoustic song because of the artwork. What's hilarious though is um, Lil Peep did it first <laughs> with his song <laughs> I um, "I Crash we You Crash." Bring that up. Yeah, Peep, Lil Peep, white SoundCloud rapper. He sampled uh, this song before the acoustic version was out, and he made his own acoustic version of it. So I don't know if they heard that and were like, yo, this sounds really good. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of wonder. <laughs> it definitely makes you wonder, man. Like, have they, you th- they had to have, like, Pierce the Veil, there's a video out there of Pierce the Veil in a dressing room moshing to Knocked Loose songs. They've heard mm-hmm. that Lil Peep song. They had to have, because, you know, he's popping off and, you know, he did their song. Absolutely. And, uh... But I found it insane that this made me excited about Pierce the Veil again. Yeah. But this, it, it, it has such an emo vibe to it. Everything from the artwork does. to the song. And it's just like it threw me back to 2006, man, in the best way. This feels like old Pierce the Veil for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, looking at it, Misadventures so far has sold like 110,000 copies, I think. Mm-hmm. And let's compare that to Collide with the Sky, which sold over 300,000 copies. So that shows you kind of where Misadventures lands as an album. I think we can consider it a failure from the band. It just didn't live up to the hype. I mean, to be fair, Pierce the Veil created an amount of hype that could be never lived up to. And then they waited way too long to try to live up to it. And they just couldn't. You know, they and tried then the way divine zero hard. shouldn't have happened, and there's just so many things. Absolutely. So it it's it feels good to feel excited about Pierce the Veil again. <laughs> yeah, in such a random, sketchy way with this sketchy EP that dude. But there's no <laughs> promo around it. Like the label ain't tweeting about it. The band aren't. Po- it, it, like where's all you know why aren't they there's when you no press EP, you announce yeah there's no p there's no press really what is going on like it's it's really sketchy and weird and maybe that's what's exciting about it i don't know i also dude that just that opening acoustic uh line you kind of get like a from first to last emily vibe which right? i really really, really dig i <laughs> like, felt the, the exact same yeah, thing i was like this is a. Uh, this is a good move for them, and I hope I hope fans know about it. You know, like the only reason I knew about it is because I saw it pop up on Spotify. But like, I hope you know, I hope it spreads throughout the fan base and they catch wind because this is like a good Pierce moment. Same, same, dude. Seeing that album artwork lined up against all of their other album artworks on <laughs> iTunes is the most funniest thing because this looks like it should be their very first release as a band, right? Right. <laughs> Before they were signed. Um. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, before we go and uh, let's hit our pop story this week for our pop story what we wanted to do was our biggest we sort of did our biggest surprises of scene bands already of flops so with the pop story we want to do who are who are our biggest like surprises as far as success stories go in pop music this year like right now what's surprising us that's popping off aside from cardi b because we already had that conversation (laughs) but um you want to start tyler yeah, sure. I'll go first. So my surprise 
for 2017 is Post Malone's I Fall Apart. This mm-hmm. song was released in 2016 on his debut album, which is called Stony, but it was never released as a single. It was kind of mm-hmm. like just this song that was really good on the, on the album, but it never got a single push. A few weeks ago, a fan-filmed live video went viral on Twitter of like 40 seconds of Post playing this song uh, at a show. And it got, right now it has over 130,000 retweets. Um, Someone else posted it on Facebook. Of course, someone ripped it. Went viral on there. Got crazy amounts of views. And Mm. here are the stats. In the four days following it going viral of that week, it got 15,000 digital downloads. And it got 10.1 million U.S. song streams just in the U.S. It's so, doing uh, really well on Spotify right now. Too. It's, it's straight up blowing up and it's becoming one of his biggest songs. And it's crazy because he's absolutely dominating right now with Rockstar. Right. So the label, being smart, is pushing this officially as a single uh, later this month in October. I just think this is a testament to all bands out there, if you're listening lot everything you do matters and at any point something can go viral like this song wasn't sure. meant to be a single but because it was such a moment when he played it live that just that night it went viral and now it's getting pushed as a single and he's gonna make so much more money off of it yeah it, 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 it it's wild that he has two singles burning at the same time like this that's just crazy like he rockstar was enough you know what I mean? And no. now he's going to have two. It, I know. It's messed up. But yeah, so, okay, so my biggest surprise, it's kind of in a similar vein and of, like, the unexpected sort of pivot thing is Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello. So Camila Cabello is, for those of you who don't know, she's the member of Fifth Harmony who left and went solo. And uh, the whole fucking industry got behind this girl. And um, they really backed her. She was going to be the next biggest star. And um, she released her debut single, Crying in the Club, and it didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it did decent enough in streaming, but, like, it didn't get a lot of traction. And it wasn't this big blowout single. She got backing from, like, Lord and some other people. And it was, like, a cool day when she released it and everybody mm-hmm. was paying attention. But it just didn't have legs, you know. It, nobody really remembered it. It was kind of just a day. And people really thought, you know... Camila was going to be like the next big thing and Fifth Harmony meanwhile have I think a lot more success with like Down and some of those songs and um, they were getting a good reception without her so it was kind of like oh is you know at first that it looked like Camila was gonna just blow Fifth Harmony away like she'd stolen all their momentum now it was kind of looking like oh maybe Fifth Harmony are actually going to be better without her and you know they had that moment at the VMAs when a fake Camila gets blown off stage <laughs> and they jump into their song. It's this beautiful thing if you haven't seen it. The VMA start, there are five girls on stage and right before they go into their song, uh, Down, I think, the, with a fifth member who's the fake Camila gets blown off stage and they will go right into their song. It's a gorgeous, <laughs> it was just great. And a great stage moment. And it was all of a sudden looking like Camila was down and out. And then Havana happened. Havana is this song she released with Young Thug that just fucking blew up. And um, it's a totally different song than Crying in the Club. And now it's her biggest song she's ever released. And it's it's starting to dominate radio. It's owning Spotify. It's owning streaming. 
And it's it's kind of cool to me because it's kind of a different thing. And it's in her own lane. Like there's a there's a real sort of like there's like an old world charm to this song. And it's just like you just like when art when you see an artist like Camila blow it the way she did with Crying in the Club, you don't think she's gonna have a comeback this quickly. And she did. She put out two songs, Oh My God and Havana, and Havana just took off. And it has Young Thug on it, who's a pretty poppin' rapper. And uh, Camila is Cuban, for those who don't know, you know. So Havana is a nice tie-in of a title, and she's singing about, you know, how half of her heart is left in Havana. It just has a real charm in it, and it's a real cool lane to see a Cuban-American artist in. And I think it's smart, because... We're sort of in a post-Despacito world. Right, so exactly. So the fact that she has glided over into a more Latin pop lane with a song like Havana, I think is genius and is going to pay off even more dividends than it already has. So that's been my biggest surprise. Absolutely. I did not see it coming at all because I didn't like either of the singles. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't think they were going to get any momentum at all. And I like yeah. we talked about crying in the club on the show. I, I liked it. I yeah, didn't think no, it was that too. bad. Um, but it just didn't get any traction and it's been insane to watch havana just slowly climb and listeners if you want to tune in now it's still climbing like go look at the itunes this chart. is the start of it yeah it's yeah. it's slaying and this is the start and it's just it's that desp it's riding that despacito Absolutely. latin pop hype you know she just slid in at the right moment and she's the perfect artist for, artist for it she's cuban you know so it, it makes sense and i think her team realized that and they really fucking like retooled real quick after crying in the club. They were like, okay, we can't do Christina Aguilera. We got to do Despacito. You know what I mean? And uh, it worked. Absolutely. They're just throwing darts at a board and they got one to stick really quick. It's crazy to see it happen like that, though. You know, it's just it worked that quickly. It did. All right. Well, that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, you can write in to note to scene at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate or and review us on iTunes. Leave us those five stars and we will love you. All right. See you next week. Bye.